0: Hello PodModBods, welcome to another episode of Podular Modcast. Today's episode is brought to you by... by I need to learn how to talk. Ataraxic iteritas from Noise Engineering. Today I want to show you just really quick at the top of the show how you can uh, go from really nice and soft and pretty to pretty classically noise engineering Iteritas territory with uh, just the use of three CV inputs. So you can hear right now, kind of got like a sine wavy type thing going with a little sequence. Let's take this filter off a little bit. So it's got a built in comb filter on it. Pretty cool. Let's bring that back up. Now let's slowly just bring uh, some CV from the maths into the noise input. Fun. Now, from the AI synthesis looping ADSR, let's bring an envelope into the soft fold input of the Ataraxic Aeteritas. And since we're starting to work our way into Iteritas territory, let's bring that comb filter out of it. Now, where the real fun comes with this thing, is the waveform input, so I'm going to bring channel 1 from the maths into that. You can hear as I sweep through that attenuator on the maths that you can really dial your CV into some uh, really fun and cool territory. Then of course, pod mod bods mess with time mod knobs, so let's do that manually. But what happens if we do a little CV into that? Let's put like a super fast gate into the time mod input. I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> And let's go into the base mode really quick. All the way to alto. And we we'll slowly take this CV out of the mix.
1: And
0: that comb filter back up. back to Nice Town. See how versatile this thing is? Go to noiseengineering.us to check it out. And if you get one because of this show, give us both a shout out, and let us know that you're enjoying it. Hello PodModBods, welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. Today's guest is James Sigler, and if you have used YouTube to find out information about any of your modules you have likely seen one of his videos. He hasn't done one in a while, and we talk about that, and we also talk about his return to making videos, which is something I am very much looking forward to. We also talk about his music that he makes under the name Jim Drones. But before we get into our talk, I want to say thank you to all you Patreon subscribers. Uh, you're really helping out, and we're 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 working our way up to the point where we have enough to where I could start buying some uh, or getting some merch for you guys: t-shirts, stickers, coffee mugs, trucker hats. I don't know. I had an idea. Maybe it would be cool to have a, a shirt that said PodModBod on it. Um, what would you guys rather have? A shirt that said PodModBod, or just PodMod, or Podular Modcast? Let me know. Um, cause we're, we're gonna, we're gonna be close soon. And if you want to get there sooner and you're not already a supporter, go to patreon.com forward slash PodularModcast. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with the show. We're, uh, we're over 30 episodes in now. That's pretty crazy to me. And, uh, thank you guys for sticking with me. And if you're new to the show, welcome. Um, I've got some really exciting news coming up. I can't quite share it with you, but why do people do that? Why did I just do that? Why would I tell you that? I don't know. Because I'm excited. We'll talk about it later. We're going to get into our talk with James here in a second. But uh, first I want to say thank you to our sponsors, Recovery Effects, AI Synthesis, Noise Engineering, uh, Obsidian Sound. Um, you guys are, are helping out a lot. I've got some cool new sponsors coming up soon I can't wait to tell you about. And uh, if if you are using any of these great products, um, are you, are you, are you glitching out and, and affecting your stuff with, uh, recovery effects? Are you, are you rocking that Ataraxica or Are you having fun doing some, uh, DIY kits from AI? Um, did Nathan Moody mix or master your album? Uh, let me know. I would love to hear, uh, your experience with this stuff. And I would also love to hear what you're doing with it. If, uh, if you've got some of the modules, um, Yeah. So that's my ramblings for the day. Let's get into our talk with James, but first, one more word from our sponsors. So uh, you, you plan on recording an album or an EP? Uh, I will say from experience, one of the, the coolest things about doing it on your own is complete creative control. I will say one of the biggest disadvantages of doing that is uh, it's hard to uh, gain an objective ear when you're listening to your stuff and that's why i want to tell you about obsidian sound it is a mixing and mastering studio in northern california run by nathan moody uh, a musician who some of you may recognize from his etude series of albums and his latest electroacoustic album the right side of mystery which i own on a double cassette the packaging is super cool and it's an excellent album Obsidian Sound specializes in that critical final polish to reach and connect with audiences more effectively. Nathan specializes in independent electronic music uh, with a special focus on ambient and modular. So, listeners, this is kind of uh, it's kind of our sweet spot. Um, he works with artists and uh, labels alike. Most of us electronic musicians act as solo artists, as I said before, but before releasing a new album or collection of work, there's a huge benefit to having an objective set of professional ears in a different acoustically treated room on full-range monitors. Um, When they hear your work and then add some final quality assurance and objective polish, whoo. It, it makes such a difference and that's where obsidian sound comes in with 20 years of experience in the audio industry nathan offers mix review mixing and most importantly mastering services with a special focus on preserving and delivering the artist's creative intent he's provided mastering service for well-known modular artists like r benny mylar melodies and more uh, including donald Crunk and dark sparkler friends of the show Anyone listening to this podcast can get a 10% discount off of mixing and mastering services by mentioning that you heard about Obsidian Sound on Popular Modcast. From experimental to noise to ambient to techno, Obsidian Sound can help you sound like a better version of you. I mean, R. Benny did it. This track that you hear under me talking is from his new release called Isla, and it was it was mastered by by Nathan. And if I mean if R. Benny uses him, I think you can uh, you can know that your 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 sound is in good hands. So if you want your projects, mixes reviewed, improved, or mastered, please visit obsidiansound.com. And don't forget to mention that I sent you over there because it'll get you a 10% discount. All right, let's talk to James Siegler. Um, I wasn't recording at the beginning, so uh, I, I'd asked him if he was friends with Austin Carnes, a.k.a. R. Benny, and uh, that's where our conversation starts. So just wanted to give you that heads up.
2: I am, yeah, and funny, it was, uh, we met through... Instagram. Cause like randomly I found him through the, you know, like the search thing. And in one of his things, he tagged San Jose and I was like, what? I thought I knew everyone who was into modulars in San Jose. Who is this? You know? Um, and so I, I think I just messaged him was like, dude, you're in San Jose. I'm in San Jose. You know, we should like hang out or something sometime. And then, um, Uh, this guy here who's now a mutual friend of, of me and Austin's, uh, Danny Kim, he was putting on a bunch of these shows, um, under the banner of, uh, binary society. And, uh, the first show that I played, Danny was like, Hey, we need like another person. And I was like, well, let's, let's ask this guy, Austin. He seems pretty rad. Like at least the music he makes is awesome. Um, so I just messaged him through Instagram and was like, Hey man, you want to play a show? And, that was that show was like the first time meeting each other in real life that's crazy yeah. i
0: i think uh I, i'm recording now i don't i'm not sure if you are oh
2: yeah i started it just just in case
0: okay cool um i people have heard me talk about instagram before on on the show but it's it's weird to like to praise a social media platform uh, yeah. as much as i do instagram but i i mean that's how i pretty much get like 90% of the guests on the show. Um it's I don't super really do cool. Not much on Facebook. Yeah, I I love I love that platform for this world cuz you can post your videos and your pictures and all the all the political bullshit doesn't make it in there. Exactly.
2: And, I remember when I first saw people start posting videos and I was like, "Oh, how is how's this going to work? This is this is weird." But then it was really uh-huh. cool to see it like completely I mean, I guess it just sort of took over like what what I look at for the most part. But um, in finding other people in that community, because by that time I had kind of like I had stopped going to Muffs for I would say no particular reason, but um, I just wasn't spending time on there, and that was kind of like where I would usually interact with the rest of the modular community. But in seeing like it just get adopted through Instagram and kind of like really take off, and then when Eric and Bana started using it to do the you know, like mots teases and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, this is this is really cool. Like, this is a great idea." Yeah,
0: yeah I prefer it over over Muff Wiggler because uh, it, there's some there's there's like a general positivity. There's that no comes there's along no typing. With, that's why.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no words.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's no real back and forth. I uh, you, I haven't had. That that much of a positive experience with with Muvwickler as far as like interacting with people, but I also haven't spent much time on there. I'm not really a forum guy, so
2: I I sort of missed the very early days of like when I found that that place, and it was like I think I was maybe like one of twelve people who had Eurorack at that time. Like most of the people <laughs> uh-huh. on that forum uh, forum had Blassit, like frack Rack, If you've ever even heard uh-huh. of that that format,
0: I've heard of yeah, I yeah. have.
2: And uh, so it was really interesting, like finding. Well, one, other, you know, modular, uh, leaning people. Um, but then also like other people with Euro rack. Um, and then it was a really fun community and, uh, sorry, not getting emotional. There's just more stuff coming out of my lungs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a bunch of shit going around. Everybody's getting sick. It seems like,
2: yeah. Um, but no, it was like, um, you know, it was like other people figuring that stuff out together, kind of.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: like certainly for me, I'd already kind of understood synthesizers to a decent degree, um, but I was like totally new to modular and, you know, sort of figuring out and exploring it. And that's actually how I started doing videos, <clears throat> excuse me, in the first place, um, was I had a handful of modules that, like, other folks didn't have, and there was no, like, manuals for it. Like, Livewire wasn't doing any kind of spec sheets or printed manuals, and I don't think Plan B was doing any at the time. So I mm-hmm. was just like, oh, well, I'll, I'll put a video out on, like, I can put it on YouTube, and I can put links here. Uh, and then you guys can, right. you know, like, see what I'm doing or what I'm talking about. Um, and that's just yeah. And you you'd started doing that a
0: long time ago. Like I look at I look at the the world of modular as kind of the wild west as far as gear and format and everything goes. But I saw your first video was something like nine years ago.
2: Yeah, that sounds so about right. You, I want to say it was like <laughs> two thousand seven or eight. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, yeah, you were, you were in the real Wild West. Oh, yeah.
2: No, I mean, that camera was like a DV camera. Like, it had a tape. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> it, had, like, it had a microphone input, but it had some, like, really crappy compressor on it to where if I ran the mix out of a mixer into that camera, it just sounded terrible. So I was like, I'm just going to so put right. it near the speakers. And I would just turn the speakers <laughs> up really loud. Um, but that room was kind of reflective and... Um, yeah, for years, people were, I don't know if it was years, but like, make better audio. I was like, it's hard, you don't <laughs> understand.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, And like trying to record it into a DAW and then get it into an editing software and getting it all synced up, especially then was probably, you know. Yeah, and I like more hassle than it was worth.
2: When I kind of knew how to I'd do that already, but I was also like, you know, I was just being lazy. Like this was originally just for like, like I said, maybe a couple dozen people who, you know, had mm-hmm. questions about it. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't want to go buy Final Cut just to like, sync up audio. And then right. I think like an iMovie update came out where it made it easy to drag audio in. And I think around that time, I also like, bought a better camera. And then I started doing it separately. Maybe I even did it with like an iPhone. But yeah, eventually, I kind of step, stepped it up a little bit. But yeah, then the post-production became like a whole thing. Like, oh, this is going to take time now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, it was. Uh, it must have been well worth it. You you you've been doing it for a really long time, and I I know a lot of people go to your videos uh, to try to learn how to use some of these stuff. And it, was that kind of the was that kind of something that evolved organically, or was that something that you did because there was such little information out
2: there? Initially, it was because there was just like you know no info, and it was just to help you know uh, some a handful of people out and kind of show like, hey, this is really cool. Like, does I don't know anything else that does this. Check out how this works. Um, you know, because sometimes, like, the controls are labeled something odd or not necessarily, like, intuitive or what people are used to, uh, having mm-hmm. something labeled on a synthesizer. But then, you know, as people commented and like, oh, my God, this is so helpful, it sort of motivated, motivated me to, to do more of them. Um, and mm-hmm. then I kind of developed, um, you know, like a relationship with some of these manufacturers, and then they started to ask me to do them. Uh, so then that got cool cuz it was like oh they're going to send me a module and then it was funny like i i was always embarrassed to kind of like make up like prices or anything so it, uh-huh. it was it was like a different arrangement depending on the person like some people right. it was like you know 10% over what their cost is some people just gave me the module um so it all it all kind of depended but um yeah and then uh uh i was beta testing um for make noise for a long time. So it was just sort of like, Oh, I'll well, we'll just do the video, you know, once the, the modules released. Um, but then once Walker came on board there I was like, well, he's already going to do these awesome videos. I don't need to do those. Uh, right. And then I took a much more demanding job in like 2012, which you can see from the YouTube history is when they really started to, <laughs> to dry up. <laughs> Uh,
0: yeah. Well, I was going to ask about that. The, uh, the most recent video I saw on your channel was from like nine months ago, yes. but I also know that you have a, uh, a young child yes. And I was wondering. That's how another reason why they started to dry up.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just, just finding the free time for my own music stuff is more difficult. So. Finding the time. For well, some. that's what
0: I was gonna ask. Yeah, is with 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 having 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 your kid and having a uh, a job that's more demanding. Um, and I know you have a recording project, which I do want to get to soon. And uh, playing out live, I'm sure, I'm sure you had to kind of make a decision: it's the videos or or my actual create yeah. creative output.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I actually owe a couple people some videos. And if any of those people are listening, I will absolutely get those done before, before the end of the year. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, in fact, it's like even, you know, finding the time or it's a little bit time, a little bit energy to just work on my own music by the time I come home and spend some time as a family and get the little guy ready for bed and then everything. And then like, you know, by the end of the day, my brain is like wiped out. Even if I had lots of coffee, the the brain is, is wiped out. I'm totally with yeah. you. I, I, um, my work got pretty slow there
0: for the last few months. And, um, I was working, you know, 10 to 20 hours a week and, um, I have to say, I, I, I liked it a lot <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Um, be, because, you know, the, the podcast is kind of my, my main creative thing. Sure. And, uh, I get to build the patches to do like my ad demo things, um, which I've so that's loved kind of...
2: hearing get like better and better, by the way, I wanted to tell you, <laughs> Thank like, you, you can like, it's, it's such an awesome thing to hear like someone progress like that. And I don't think I've, I mean, I've, I've heard that with other people and like friends who I've, uh, you know, gotten into modular or have sort of known through modular, but never in this like, you know, weekly fashion of hearing, like <laughs> you know, a new piece of music. Well, thanks.
0: I, I appreciate that a lot. And I, I'm actually, I, I just got some, uh, some new sponsors. So I'm going to get some new stuff to play with. Cause I was kind of starting to be like, well, I I feel like I've pushed, <laughs> I've pushed a <laughs> lot of these effects rigs to like, as far as I can go, but I, you know, I'm still messing with them. And, uh, but, yeah, it, it is good practice to just get to know the instrument better and start to, you know, really chisel down what exactly it is that I want in my setup, Yeah, you know? Um, yeah, I actually just got that. Uh the new Ataraxic Iteritas from oh, Noise Engineers. Nice. Yeah. Oh my god, dude, this thing is crazy. I'm not just saying that because uh they're a new sponsor to the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh well, you know, the the, the Iteritas, like you know, for drums oh, it's and awesome. with all the C V and like just you you turn one knob just the slightest bit and you just got a whole new character and, and this is, this is just that in an oscillator form, which is oh, super, super cool. crazy. Yeah, like it, it yeah, took I'm, me a
2: little while to like really start to find those tiny, tiny spaces between where there's like very obvious boundaries, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, what well just went from, you know, sine or triangle to saw. So it's like super obvious, but in between there, there's these like super, super tiny spots that are just like, Oh, Whoa, right yeah. in this little pocket.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And that I also that's funny you mentioned that because uh, we'll, we'll get on. We'll go get off the subject here. But, um <laughs> since you mentioned that, that is one of the things that I've really noticed about this this new one from them, the Ataraxic. It's just there's so much in between and the the C V options and dialing in on the knob while the C V's going in. You know, it's just like I don't know. It you could you could sit here for a long time really, really chiseling out your sound. Yeah. But
2: uh the cursus was is like that. Um I really enjoy uh, the cursus in that his whole concept of having a variable sample rate that's based on the pitch rather than like most digital systems have a set sample rate you know like mm-hmm. f- 96 or 48 or whatever um, so that, that edge control introduces aliasing but it's aliasing that's harmonically related to the pitch so it never sounds like the gross aliasing that you associate with the word aliasing <laughs> that was such a great idea to like get, uh-huh. get that timbre of aliasing, but it's actually matching your pitch and it will follow the pitch. Like I just thought that was such an amazing idea. Um,
0: yeah. And yeah, uh, they're doing some crazy stuff. The
2: Manus is super cool. That's actually one of the people I owe a video to is, is on the Manus. <laughs> um, it, it, I had, I have the script written, uh, and then it's, I just been like sick like five times this year. And like every, Ugh. every time it's like, okay, the voice is better. Uh, like either have to be traveling or work would be busy or then I get sick again.
0: Oh man. Like, oh, I don't want to make
2: a video with like sick voice that's going to be the video for for this indefinitely. So
0: Right. Well you might have to just go to like a speech or uh, yeah, like a text to speech. Totally like, right software. The, thing the Fred something.
2: voice from the Mac.
0: <laughs> so I kind of want to get a little bit of your history because I know people like your, you know, look at your videos and you've been doing it so long. Like, what were you doing before modular, and how did you stumble upon it? And what was I doing? I mean, (laughs) I'm
2: a, I guess, (laughs) I'm definitely a reformed guitar player.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too.
2: (laughs) So I like, I kind of, well, the whole idea of like collecting a bunch of stuff or like constantly messing with tones and stuff came from. Uh, you know, kind of being obsessed with pedals. I mean, I always played in like mm-hmm. punk and metal bands and I never used pedals in those bands because it's like you just didn't use that kind of stuff. But at home, like just playing around, I loved all kinds of weird effects and stuff and all just kind of making sounds, uh which kind of went all the way back to as a kid. Like I loved all kinds of sounds, like sounds just making sounds with my mouth or like hearing how <laughs> things resonate when you hit them. And mm-hmm. then where my mind really exploded was like my mom had one of those um dictaphone like a, a micro cassette recorder that had the uh-huh. speed thing on it so when i was able to like <laughs> record it at full speed and then play it back at slow speed and it was just like mm-hmm. oh my god this is like a whole weird world of sound um <laughs> so yeah then skipping all the way forward to like <clears throat> must have been kind of coming out of college Um, or maybe going into it. Um, I stopped playing in bands. Um, it just started to be hard being on the road and like having a job or having to go to school. And I never really enjoyed being on the road. And, um, so I started kind of finding out how to make music by myself and I found like reason and DAWs, um, Mm -hmm. and started playing around with those and eventually found the Nord modular G2. And okay. so that was like the closest thing, but I would work on a computer all day and I'd come home and I'd try and patch with that thing. And my wrist was just like killing me. And it was just, it was fun, but it was not fun at the same time. Like it was physically unfun. Mm-hmm. And, um, a friend of mine, Brandon Daniel also had one of these. Uh, and so I was asking him just about like the Nord and all kinds of stuff. And eventually he was like, well, dude, I have like an analog one. You should come over and just check it out. Um, And so this was probably like 2006 maybe. And, Mm -hmm. um, he had a bunch of analog systems and analog solution stuff. And it was just like, Whoa. And I think he had just gotten the plan B model 15. I think it had just come out or something. Um, and he had gotten that and he was showing me like FM with analog oscillators and wave shapers. And I was like, Whoa, this is, this is (laughs) awesome. So like I went home and I was just like, okay, how do I, how do I do this? And so I just Googled, like, modular, and, of course, I saw the Buchla 200E, and I was like, oh, I'm never going to afford that. That's like a car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but then it started this slow process of, like, selling almost all my gear. I was kind of – I had already gotten into <laughs> analog <laughs> at that point. So I had – I think the first analog thing I had was, was this Australian company called Frostwave, and they made, like, a really accurate MS-20 clone in a, a box. It wasn't quite, like, a stomp box, but um, – uh-huh. And and then I had gotten a, the, I think almost all the Moog pedals that were out at the time. I had the analog delay, and the ring mod and the phaser.
0: Oh, those are so great! Yeah. I love that. I so I love regret that ring selling,
2: mod. well, most of those. Um, yeah, but um, so I think I kept those. But I got rid of the Nord. I had a Voyager. I got rid of the Voyager. I think I got rid of the MPC. Uh, a whole whole bunch of stuff. And it got like you know the A100 dope for a portable case, and like a mm-hmm. quad ADSR, the model fifteen or sorry the low pass the dual low pass gate that Plan B had, and like that was it. I didn't buy an oscillator. I used like <laughs> the sine wave out from the Moog ring mod pedal as my oscillator. Um, yeah, it had nothing to convert <laughs> pitch, so it was just like you know weird, you know the sounds of like transformers transforming, and I had that frost mm-hmm. wave filter. Um, And then uh, I was at NAMM 2016 or 2006 and went and found the Analog Haven booth. um, And that's where I met um, Mike Brown and Peter Grenader and like talked to them for probably about 45 minutes and uh, was like, all right, this is happening. I'm just, all the money's going into this. So then by, (laughs) I think by probably the end of 2007, I had two portable cases that would have been what? Like 12, 12U, 84 HP. And then yeah. by 2008, I had like, you know, a monster case and, uh, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think I had a skiff yet or anything. Um, but by that time I had met, um, uh, Tony Rolando and, mm-hmm. um, I bought the, I, I think I had like number 10 or something of the mod Di the original one. And, nice. um, went up and like introduced myself at Nam, and I was like, oh I think he'd just come out with maths. Maths or QMMG or something, something I already uh-huh. had. Um, and I was like, Hey, you know, I, I test stuff. Oh, he told me he was working on this, this digital module and, um, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I test stuff for a living. You know, I, I'm totally down to test it. Um, and that ended up being, uh, Renee. Um, and so I, I kind of had that for I don't remember how long that development time took, but it was, you know, it was a couple months. So I kind of uh-huh. knew that thing pretty well by the time it was released and figured out, you know, like a bunch of different tricks and kind of ways to make it do musical-ish, like like how to take a musical idea and then make that happen with, you know, the gate logic or or something else mm-hmm. or like probably the one thing that gets attributed to me was just that, that MPC mode where like you can just play it like a grid of touch pads. Um, damn. And and that was, you heard it here folks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't even remember how I sort of figured that out. It was just like, Oh, well there's this mode. And by default, if you turn this on and you touch a pad and there's a gate coming in, the output stays on for as long as you touch the pad. So I just need to send an offset here and Oh, now it's like an MPC. Um, I really didn't think it was like that big of a deal but somehow that seems to be the thing that that resonated the most with with people so that that made me very well,
0: happy. that's that's funny you say that cuz I was I was messing around with my buddies you know the first time I ever saw a uh, Renee and, and was messing with it that was kind of like that was the big selling point for me and I I still don't have one and I was Getting very close to pulling the trigger on getting one, and then they announced the new one. And I was like, I'm gonna probably wait. uh, Or I'll (laughs) snag snag
2: an original by someone who's like, you know, like a, you know, stock market selling their first one because they don't don't think it's worth anything anymore. Because it definitely does a couple things that the new one doesn't do. Like, the new one is definitely much more approachable for someone coming to like, or coming to to modular from, like, pretty typical sequencers. Mm-hmm. And it's really almost like three Rene's in, in one thing. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a couple things that are just sort of different on the first rev that I really like. Um, like, you kind of don't have MPC mode in the new one. In, in some ways, it's sort of, like, approaching it a different way. So I'll, at very least, like, always keep my, my Mark I around for that. And there's something also about, like, the weirdness that I like. Like my brain, uh-huh. my brain really likes taking something that's like a puzzle almost and figuring out like, well, okay, I kinda know how this works. How can I make it do what I want to do? Like that yeah, that part has always been like a really fun part for me with with modulars, like just understanding it enough that I could apply it. To something. Yeah,
0: that's that's pretty much kind of where I'm at with the whole thing right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I still don't fully understand maths, but it it is in just about every patch that I make. So, um, yeah, but yeah, like you said, that's that's I think that's kind of the draw for a lot of people into modular. It's it's uh it's got this weird kind of like it's almost like some I forgot who it was. I think it was uh. I think it was my friend, Leila Smith. She was, she said something like, it's like interacting with an animal or something.
1: And like
2: like the, (laughs) the, I mean, I've, I don't know if it comes from like playing in bands and stuff, but ever since I started just making music on my own, I've always sort of craved this, like, not even like a collaboration in the sense that most people use that word now, but like Mm -hmm. performing with somebody like the back and forth that you get, and I, I get that from a modular. There's something about it like not always doing the same thing or maybe you're not anticipating a certain setting or a mode you put it in, and now it does something mm-hmm. at, like unexpected, and then you can play off of that. Um, and doing that part of it live is like the most exhilar- exhilarating thing for me. Like, it's, 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 okay. it's weird. It's like most of my life I'm always so in my head or like my head voice is just competing with like the outside world kind of constantly. Uh (laughs) But the, like the one of the like only times that I'm like super present and only focusing on what's happening right now is when I'm performing. It's like, you know, tunnel vision completely in the moment. Uh, and it's, and I love it, but it's for whatever reason, that's the only thing that like gets me to what I assume might be like regular life for everybody else. Like (laughs) not having the internal voice, second guessing or overthinking every possible thing. You
0: just got a a new tagline for modular (laughs) synthesis, like modular synthesis, quiet the voices in your head. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned live because, um, are you still playing out live? I know, I know you have played out live quite a bit, right? Yeah.
2: I kind of like not purposefully, um, took a break this year. It was sort of a a combination of things like, um, one by my son being born, um, and, uh, my job being a little more stressful this last year. Um, and I had been playing a lot of shows, um, that, um, my friend I mentioned before Danny Kim was putting on, it was just sort of like, cool, he's putting them on. It's easy to get on bills. Um, and I also kind of am a little lazy to always go up to the city or Oakland, which is where like most shows would be. Um, but Danny right. was putting almost all of them on here in San Jose. Um, so, um, when he sort of took a break, cause it was like a pretty, pretty big undertaking. I was kind of like, Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take a break too. Um, but, um, I've, d- I've done a couple smaller things around uh, local places and for, um, for sort of other folks, uh, collaborations and things uh there's a friend of mine um tomio ueda and uh we did a couple things where we performed together and that was really fun where he's kind of doing drums percussion and maybe the bass line, and i'm doing pretty much everything else or we we kind of like figure out some sort of dividing line and like improvise together and those kind of Things were were really fun.
0: Yeah, that's cool. There's there's a couple of buddy, buddies of mine up here, uh, John and Michael. Uh, Tree Cathedral, shout out, guys. Um, <laughs> they're kind of doing the same thing. And when I was talking to them about like, how do you how do you break that up? How do you do this with two people? And they they did the same thing. And that kind of seems like unless you have two like mind melded experts, you know, like virtuosos, yeah. you, you probably that's probably the way to go. It's like you take this this job and I'll take this.
2: Yeah, you kind of need uh, to set aside like. Whether it's something that was always the easiest for for Tomio and I is like okay, well he just kind of had more drum and bass oriented stuff in his setup. Um, yeah, but it was kind of like okay, well you take that, I'll take this. Well, bull and but but the most fun is is not like well you're going to do your thing and I'll just do my thing. Is the kind of play back and forth, um, and it's yeah. the dividing of responsibilities just makes that play back and forth a lot easier without stepping on each other. So like the the playing back and forth and improvising is really the awesome part. Um, and kind of the only thing that makes sure that it doesn't sound like, you know, five guitar players all trying to solo is this idea (laughs) of like, well, your responsibility is kind of this, your responsibility is kind of that.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to ask you as somebody who has made, uh, albums and plays out live, um, I guess kind of your philosophical approach to studio versus live is, is there, is there a marked difference in how you approach a patch or, um, I guess like you're going to, you have a show next week. Uh, what is, what does that look like? Like kind of setting it up for you, like mentally and, you know, gear wise
2: is, I guess, however you want to answer that question. Yeah. Gear wise, it's usually like kind of deciding the logistics of what I'm going to need to bring. Yeah. Um I generally like always have like some kind of delay and reverb that I kind of hide behind. Um yeah. it's gotta be drenched in <laughs> delay and reverb. Um or at least can have some kind of control over. Um and usually that might mean I might take a mixer. Um but as far as the patch goes, I usually procrastinate until maybe the night before or two nights before, depending on what <laughs> Same the day. rest of life is like. Um <laughs> and it's a lot of just really thinking about what I want the palette to sound like and maybe what kind of pitches I want to work with or melodies if there's going to be melodies um, what the clock like master clock kind of might be if I'm going to be sticking to something roughly steady or if I want to really modulate things around but generally I kind of create a framework for what I'm going to improvise with and it's usually three or four voices and some kind of main clock in some kind of sequencer. Um, like it's usually Renee where I can play it manually or I can have it run on its own and, you mm-hmm. know, free my hands up more. Um, and it's really just feeling comfortable with whatever I patched. But the actual patching process is very like start with a thing that I think sounds good, play with it and go, yep, cool. And then I build on that. And then as I'm building, it might take me in a different direction. Like, you know the second or third element may be way cooler than the first element, and then I go, oh, okay, well, wait, let's backtrack a bit, and like now let's yeah. make this thing the, the main thing, or I might go like, okay, cool, that sounds really good. The other thing sounded really good. Maybe these are two things I'm gonna like make my way between over the course of some amount of time.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually pretty similar how I do it. So that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to talk to people who know way more about this stuff than me. I'm like, how how do you do this? Um, I, I'm finding multiple mixers and uh, some some switches make a huge yes huge difference. Yeah,
2: switches are huge. Um, um, I have a couple of these like passive toggles from Noise Reap. I was really sad to see that he like isn't making them now. Um, hopefully he's just going to make something like a little cooler, but it's just uh, you know, the both ends of the switch are wired to jacks and then the center pole is wired to a jack so like you can have it be a, a, a you know, one in switching between two outs or vice versa um, depending on yep. how you patch it and it's just so useful.
0: I just made myself one of those a few months ago. I took a make noise blank and then a, nice. a, a the three pole switch and the middle position is actually a mute which is pretty cool oh, so cool. I can yeah. So like something with like the, the Basimulus Ateritas or like the muskrat, um, something that, that, you know, is a drum module. So has a built-in VCA, I can, I can click those on and I can, and I can go between the two different patterns. So if I want to start something a little slower, you know, and have it and then stop it and then bring it something faster, that, that seems to be really useful. I want to make, I want to make like six more of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. That ability to so. just like switch between something. And for me manually, like you know, all this stuff where you can like CV over like a matrix mixer. And I find all that stuff like really fun and cool. But when it comes to like performing and even like recording, uh, I have to have a very like physical manual aspect to it. Like I have to pull a lot of the like control stuff away. Like if it's something that it would be done with the speed that my hands would do it, I have to do it with my hands. It's only like, if, you know, like an envelope is going to go really fast or something. Like, okay, well, then an envelope module's got to do that. But everything else.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so live, like a lot of your modulation and, and, uh, I guess just a lot of your modulation, you're kind of, you're doing manually. So you're keeping yourself busy. So you set up your patches in a way that they kind of, uh, they can have a different life depending on where you're, you're manually turning these knobs. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> cool. And then, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then like the, changing of the knobs is like part of the evolution of the patch throughout like the whole performance. So right. um I usually I usually don't have like specific songs. I usually have like what would be kind of like a full piece but you know it it sounds very different if you were to like, you know, jump forward in in time or whatever.
0: Right, right. Okay. So let's let's just say um any v- venue aside, getting there aside, <laughs> let's say you have a roadie. Uh, what's, what size case is your optimal, uh, you know, the optimal working space for you for a live show?
2: Uh, for me, it's totally like six, U one Oh four, like the standard. Um, like the last couple years, um, it was the make noise CV bus case. Um, uh-huh. I just, um, switch my performance case to one of the submodulars. Like I really wanted this like ultra thin light. Um, And part of me is almost actually like reminiscing on 84 HP. Like I almost want to go a little, a little smaller. Like Uh I could knock, you know, six
0: U 84 HP. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, Yeah. But there's something about that, that size that feels like right to me. Um, And I usually have the effects are not in the modular,
0: Okay, like, okay, um, yeah, that frees up a lot of space. Yeah,
2: exactly. So, like, I would not. I don't have that in the rack. Um, and I've pretty much been using, like, my core modules that I perform with for years now. It's basically been, like, DPO, two OptiMixes, uh-huh. the, pretty much the Telharmonic, since it came out, some kind of, like, a filter. That's usually, like, the most thing that's getting rotated around is, like, what filter and stuff. Um, uh-huh. And maths and then some other stuff that goes with it, yeah um,
0: it's funny i'm looking at my case right now, and i have if if you count filters, I have eight effects modules in here so <laughs> yeah,
2: but sorry, I derailed you no, 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 um yeah, so like that it it, it feels very manageable to me, like um, I've done performances with two cases before, and i I sort of like would get a little lost or. Mm -hmm. It would just have a lot of elements that were kind of like that I had to keep on top of again, because I think I naturally like gravitate towards I'm going to play these things manually somehow um, rather than it being like really pre sequenced. And I think part of it is I get like ultra nervous that I'm going to miss something or skip over something, or like it's sequenced this way. And if I don't switch to the next sequence, it's not going to be right or something. Um, right. So if it's like, well, if I'm just improv improvising this and it's like mostly fully under my control, I'm not worrying about having to like, you know, like keep, I don't know, the weird analogies coming to my head is like I've programmed a robot, but I have to keep turning it in the right direction. Otherwise it's going to run <laughs> into the wall. Um,
0: well, you know, it's fun. Yeah. You bring up a, you bring up a really interesting point, And it's something that a lot of, uh, a couple of past guests have talked about, um, like, uh, like I, Tom Hall comes to mind. Tom Hall has a, r- a relatively small setup as well, yeah. and so, so like when I first started, I I hadn't even had like full eighty four HP three U, you know that's and I was like oh I gotta get more I can't play live <laughs> and and now I've got twelve U eighty four HP and it's uh it's almost unmanageable. It's for tough. Me. Like yeah yeah. And I'm, and I've got this suitcase that I've built in a little, a little case into, and, and that is six U 84 HP. And I was having a hard time getting anything out of it that I could play longer than like seven minutes. But I think, I think you just got to find the right, the right modules for what you're getting
1: after.
2: Yeah. And like, for me, a lot of it came eventually with like having the confidence to understand, like once I really understood the ranges that I like using the DPO in, and like how I can get the DPO to play against the Telharmonic, and manually adjusting the volumes. And like once that stuff felt like really under my control, I felt like I could take something that in the beginning felt like, dude, I can only do this for twelve minutes. How am I going to play for half an hour? Um, uh huh. And for lack of a better term, drag it out. Like <laughs> not not like making it longer than it needs to be, but um, evolving it slower. And
0: right, right.
2: Definitely like an early problem I had playing live was like you get in this thing where you don't realize how much time is passing. Like it mm-hmm. feels like time is going really, really fast. And yeah, uh, it wasn't until like I can't remember who I was talking to. It was someone after a show. And they were like, dude, this one part, like you locked in there and it was so rad. And then like you changed it right away. And I was like, really? Yeah. And I knew what he was talking about. And it was like, I, I could have sworn that that was going for like five minutes and that everyone was bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. It, I have the
0: same thing. Yeah, it, it, I time it, myself when I'm getting a set together and I'm like, okay, I need to pull off like 20 minutes and I'll get to where it's like 17 minutes and I'm dragging it out and then I'll play live and it's like 11 mm-hmm. minutes long. So I've had to write post-it notes and stick it on the top of my case. Like don't
1: rush. Don't rush. Like, yeah. Now what I've just I've, take I've
2: done is like when that thought comes into my head of like, well, kind of like, I think they're bored. That's when I know like, okay, no, they're just locked in. Like, now <laughs> stay here until like you're really worried that they're bored and then start, start trying totally, to Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And something I think also that, that just
0: came in, that just popped in my head, but I think that everybody who's performing live should keep in mind, um, you know, you most likely have practiced this at least, you know, the night before. So you, you know, you know what it's doing and you know where it's going and, and having the knowledge of every patch point, Uh, it it gives you kind of a peek behind the curtain that might take some of the fun of listening to it away, maybe. I mean, I know there are people in the audience, especially at modular shows, that are just totally trying to figure out what you're doing with your gear. But ultimately, you know, you just want it to be a nice listening experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and like the, I mean, the other really fun part is like when something weird does happen and you have to make this snap decision of like, okay, well, we're just going to go with that now because...
1: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> you can either like make it seem like well that was really bad or that's the decision that the modular just made and now you have to you know react to it and go with it and i always yeah. really love those moments where it's like whoops uh <laughs> like i guess i bumped a you know a knob on the renee and that's not the pitch that went with anything but then it becomes yeah. okay well all right let's pull the other voices down let's make this seem intentional let's adjust the the pitches on the other knobs just the quantizer quietly and this is a new piece we're going to do it right now like this is yep (laughs) those are my like my favorite moments where it's like okay this is totally going to be something new the only thing that i don't like is when you get to the place like i almost always had a case where i could i could close it patched so very rarely was i like patching right beforehand it's something i've kind of always wanted to do like I've watched Mike Dobler play many times where he patches on the fly and it was like, Oh, deep down. I know I can yeah. do that, but I'm too afraid to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's definitely been shows where I get there, I turn everything on and I'm just like, this sounds like shit. Like what is going oh, on? Dude. And they just, yeah, I just tear every it tear apart and just repatch it from scratch but
0: those, those are the only yeah, ones I've, I've done fun. that once it's yeah it's 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 nerve-wracking but there's something about that pressure too yeah that kind of like well this has to be good because I'm about to play it for people exactly
2: yep it's like that, so. this, this is gonna be whatever it's gonna be and somehow like for me that's like super calming <laughs> I go there's nothing you can do now you're just gonna have to do this you're gonna have to you know do it the best you can
0: well that's a blessing as a live performer to have that because I know I know some people who would go totally opposite and depending on how much coffee I've had that day and how much sleep I got the night before I could I could go either way on something like that so <laughs> well,
2: and the weird thing is like my natural mental overthinking would would want to go the exact opposite way and right. before modular I feel like whenever I do live performances it kind of would not with guitar like playing you know electronic kind of stuff it was that way where it's like, I knew I didn't want to just be pushing play on something, but my brain could not figure out how else I could do it. Um,
1: yeah. And it wasn't yeah. until
2: I was just like, well, this is just going to be improvised. And, and I sort of had the confidence that I could do that, that it like really opened it up. And that's really what opened to kind of like circle back, like opened up how I would record. Cause I basically record the same way. I just abandoned the idea of trying to multitrack or do multiple passes And I just set up the recorder. It's just stereo out of the mixer or whatever. And I just hit record and perform it. And just sort of hope that the first take is like has the least number of mistakes or that I'm like okay with whatever the mistakes are. And every once in a while, like maybe I gotta do three takes. And it's usually the first or second one is better. Usually by the third one, it's just like this is this is bad. Um, in a couple of rare cases, it was like, yeah, this is just not working. <laughs> and just, I didn't record
1: or, okay, I, d- or I didn't so, keep uh, it.
2: Like I, you know, three, uh-huh, four takes and uh-huh. I was like, yeah, no, this is just, this is just not happening.
1: Uh, yeah, and it yeah, is either, totally. is either
2: walk away or throw the modular on the, on the ground.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's funny that you say that. Cause I, I, I wanted to transition into your, your studio approach, but it sounds like it's, it's pretty similar. And I was listening to uh, the Dronestown Town uh, Trifecta. Awesome. Um, or Trilogy. Or, um, and I've actually been uh, falling, not falling asleep, going to bed with it, eventually falling asleep. No, like falling but, asleep you know, would be
2: good. Like I feel like what naturally comes out of me with the modular is like a, uh, not dreamlike, but like a, it, it's, I almost weirdly intend for it to be something that you don't pay attention to when you're listening, but you enjoy listening to it. It's, well, yeah, it it is
0: excellent. Like, I I like to listen, like, headphone music is my favorite, and I, you know, I don't get to listen to both. Like, I listen to work, or music at work, or don't listen to music at work, because I can only use one earbud, so it's podcasts all day. So, like, my only time I really get to listen to music undivided attention in stereo is kind of go lay down in bed for a half hour and, and then I, I eventually fall asleep and have to pull my headphones off. But <laughs> so but but your stuff while listening to it, it it is it is perfect for that that listening environment. Um but as I was listening to it I was like, okay, this has to be multi
2: tracked Oh nice. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I was I was thinking like this would be really, really hard to pull off. Um just, you know, with one patch and just record it all in one take. Um, it, they sound like fully fleshed out ideas.
2: Oh, thanks. I mean, they're, you know, the same, all of those, all of those from through all those three albums were all, you know, the case evolved a little bit because that was recorded over a couple of months time, but, um, that was the same perf- like case I would play out live and I just, um, would be sitting at home and I would just be, you know, patching to kind of, you know, relax or, process failings or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I'd come across something that's like, Oh, this is, this is good. And then I would kind of figure out how I'd perform it. And then I would just turn the recorder on and perform it. Um, and the, actually, I think the hardest one was the third one, because by that time I knew the whole story of this arc in the three, uh, records and, like I knew how to get it done and I knew I needed to like wrap up this kind of, you know, story. And that one where it was like every one of those patches was designed with a intent ahead of time and not like a loose idea and exploring sounds. Um, which is kind of the first two, the first one was exploring an idea with sounds and then, I started to realize I could make this into an arc and that became the second. And then the third, um, was like finishing this, the story, uh, series talking in the background. <laughs> um, and what, what the story was, was, uh, it, it kind of like conceptually came out of, uh, a friend of mine had said it called me Jim drones to somebody else. And I thought that was a funny name and uh-huh. it went back to this sort of, weird fascination I've had with uh, Jim Jones and the whole Jonestown massacre and like the real story of the whole thing, not just like, you know, the Kool-Aid part that everyone knows, but like all leading up to that where, you know, he was kind of this savior to a bunch of people who, you know, followed him all the way to this remote place and were trying to build this utopia and his descent into just like lunacy and, evilness or whatever um, you know ultimately led to all these people dying and Mm -hmm. I was like what what would that have felt like emotionally for the people there Um, and that's what I was sort of exploring with this and I did my best to try and like compose a little bit where there's melodies in there that represent Jones and there's reactions to that that represent the emotions of the people and yeah, all of that. So the the Dronestown one is sort of starts from like when they would have left San Francisco to going to French Guiana. The second one is kind of the people figuring out that things are not right, maybe. Things are getting weird. And then the third one is, you know, pretty much leading up through the part that, you know, everyone, everyone knows about. Um, right. And so, yeah, the third one was the hardest one to do because... Like I said, I was like conceptually finishing it and every one of those patches was being designed for this particular moment in the story. And it was also sort of like the most emotional part of it, that whole story, like when I first learned about it many years back, really sort of like affected me. And uh, some of those tracks were like borderline difficult recording. Like um, someone who bought one of the albums sent me a note and mention one of the tracks, and is this like i I feel like there's so much emotion in this particular one, and I was like, "Oh wow, okay, so it came across somehow in the recording um
0: that's awesome yeah. that's that's all you that's that's pretty much all you can ask for yeah when absolutely when the in, when the intent is received without like without being led there, you know, yeah, like hey, you should think this, yeah, I, that's that's so cool. And it's funny, you mentioned like everybody knows like the Kool Aid story, and I, I that's all I had pretty much known until. God, it was just a few weeks ago when I watched like this mini documentary on it. And, um, so it was kind of timely for me to, to oh, nice.
2: wrap okay, cool. my
0: head around kind of the whole story and, uh, yeah. And then, and get, get a hand on these albums. So, but after your description, I'm definitely going to take another pass, at them because, uh, yeah, the, that, yeah, uh, that's, that's cool. The track name without words.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the way I kind of did it for the point was kind of like the track names. So Mm -hmm. Um, the track names are kind of alluding a little bit to points in time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was trying, I mean, pretty much whenever I kind of make music, I'm, I'm either trying, if I'm imagining the listener, how I want like an emotion, I want them to feel, or maybe emotion. I feel that I want to pull them into somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, so it kind of like made sense when this whole concept formed in my head. It's sort of like, Oh, well, I'm scoring, like, emotions. So I was imagining, (laughs) I was trying to imagine myself in their place Uh while I was performing these things to, you know, hopefully drive that better because it always seemed easier for me to, like, feel an emotion and kind of, like, try and project that through the synthesizer. So I was like, okay, well, if I put myself in that emotion of those people, then I could just do that, do that same thing. It's not my emotion. It's emotion I'm assuming the other person had or people. Um,
0: Right. Well, that's inspiring to me because something that I've had a hard time doing with modular is, and it's something, uh, well, it's getting easier for me, um, is actually like creating with intent and, and, and putting something down that I would actually consider like a piece like I've released two albums called modular musings, which were basically just me fucking around and recording. Packs, oh yeah. And then, no, like, I've, oh, I've, I've got a couple of these. those that I
2: purposefully did not, <laughs> did not tell you about. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> cause, cause yeah, the, the, like the intent part takes time. Um, yeah. And yeah. I feel like a little lucky that I got into this when I did, because I kind of found that, the tools and the modules basically that are kind of work as my voice early on, right? To where mm-hmm. I wasn't like, you know, back when I had pedals, they was wheels called it tone questing, um, you know, to where like <laughs> yep. my tone quests <laughs> ended pretty early. Like I've just been so pleased with everything I get out of the DPO that I'm not like, okay, I need to try, the, you know, the Verbose, and I need to try the further, and I need to try, you know, doing it with just VCA's and you know, just STOs or something or it's uh-huh, sort of like, uh-huh. no, I'm like fully pleased with exactly how this thing works and sounds. And I've come to yeah. appreciate all the like unique quirks and like weird spots and like use those to, you mm-hmm. know, s- their strengths. Um, so now if like I were to change a bunch of these things out, it actually feel like I took a step back in terms of understanding how to give my, my voice with it. Cause I found like, yeah, pretty much you give any artist some tools and they make music that sounds like them. Like, you know, you can, and it's so fun to like patch other people's systems. Like half the time I wish I could just invite random people over who are in town, like come patch my system. I want to hear like what you make with, with my stuff. Cause I notice every time I patch with someone else's system, that's totally different modules. It's like, Oh, that sounds like something I would make with my system. Um, yeah. <laughs> like Austin was yep. showing me like rings for the first time and I was just kind of navigating it, playing around. And like, eventually what I made was like, what sounded like a wave shapey bass sound. <laughs>
1: <I was> like, <laughs>
2: oh, okay. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter what I have. I'm going to keep gravitating to the same, uh, the same stuff. Well,
0: well I'm glad you know your system because I'm going to put, I'm going to put you to the, to the test. Here. Nice. Is it time? Yeah, dude, with this has flown by. We're already uh we're already almost an hour in. So, all right, going after the adjectives. All right. Oh boy, yep, you're going I'm going to have to go to to go, oh no, sweet. I uh Did I already do this one? No. Um I wrote on the ones that I don't know, I I wrote a brief uh definition <laughs> on the back.
2: That is prep.
0: <laughs> I'm getting low again Hey, PodModBod, send me some adjectives and nouns <laughs> Oh, this is this is going to be a good one This is uh, good for the fall months Nice I got to get my pronunciation down I got to practice this in my head a few times Lugu- Lugubrious
2: Oh, I've heard that word, but I don't know what it means Lugubrious crypt Oh, dude All right, well, I like it I hope Lugubrious <laughs> means like Dripping with snot or whatever is actually in my lungs right now. My lungs are a lugubrious crypt. I think. <laughs> well, it means sounding sad. Oh, what an appropriate thing for me to patch—a sounding sad crypt. Looking or sounding sad and dismal. Perfect.
0: I've had this Atoraxicteratos for a few weeks now, and it is continuing to blow my mind. It is. Uh, one of the most versatile oscillators I've ever messed with and uh, yeah it's just one of those modules that continues to reveal itself more and more the more you play with it and uh, yeah rather than wax on poetically about it I am going to just share a cool patch that I made so you can hear it fading up behind my voice right now and everything you hear is just the Ataraxica Um got a sequence from Ornament and Crime going into it and I've got uh, Make Noise Maths and Wogglebug feeding some CV into it. I've got Anna from Mystic Circuits feeding some CV into it, and then the Looping ADSR from AI Synthesis also feeding some CV into it. And that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm just going to perform this patch for a few minutes, and uh, once you start hearing some delay, that will be the WMD Doppler delay and the 4MS loop, dual looping delay. I've got that signal from the Ataraxic split and going into both of those. So, I hope you enjoy this patch. if you picked up an Ataractica because you heard about it on this show, let me know and uh, share some patches that you made with it. Uh, I would love to see what you're doing with it. And if you want more information about the module, go to noiseengineering.us. All right, we're going to get right back into our conversation. However, I got to warn you that my voice was going through James's monitors and was going through his microphone, so there's going to be kind of like a weird phase-y thing going on, and I apologize for that. Okay, so your bir- your your birds, your birds. <laughs> <laughs> your words were lugubrious crypt. Lugubrious crypt. And how did you approach that?
2: Um uh originally I was thinking about lugubrious and I kept coming to like a wailing, moaning kind of thing, and I just knew I wasn't going to make that work. So I focused on uh, Crypt, and I think Uh I I got the vibe of Crypt, and I tried to just make it sad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. You said you thought of the wailing and moaning.
2: When I did episode
0: one, I got the lackadaisical donkey. So I spent like... A good eight minutes trying to make like a filter sweep that sounded like a donkey. Like a donkey, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, oh, I wasted so much time. So it's a, <laughs> it's kind of a lame patch, but it was the first one, and uh, it's kind of hard to do these. It's uh, not easy.
2: Uh, it's it's. I mean, I knew it was going to be a fun challenge, and it was definitely a fun challenge. But it was it was a little harder than I thought. I, I yeah. I, I don't know if I really got the lugubriousness
0: uh that i that I hoped for, but well um I don't know if you know this, but i I got a a group on Facebook called the podmod Pod podmod patch challenge group oh right and, uh yeah, and i invite I invite all the uh, listeners to do theirs. so uh I'm looking forward to hearing uh the Podmod mod bods attempt their lugubrious crypt, and you know, I started doing them weekly now, and I had only done the one from episode one, and then I subjected so many people to them. And I, you know, going back a few weeks ago, I was like, Oh, this is really hard, but it's a really useful exercise. (laughs) Yeah. It's really fun. Um, yeah. So let's, let's get into this and then, uh, yeah.
2: Awesome. Let's let's uh, check this out. Yeah. Sorry for that epic feedback there. <laughs> that was crypt as
0: fuck. <laughs>
2: thanks, man. Could you hear it? All right.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was, I can't wait to hear it. Like an actual, like wave, wave quality, but yeah, that sounded really cool. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so where should people go to check out your stuff? Bandcamp?
2: Yeah. For the Jim drones trilogy, you yeah, have to jimdrones.bandcamp.com. drones dot, And, uh, the youtube page youtube.com slash james sigler c-i-g-l-e-r right on dude well i am trying my hardest to get back to doing videos a (laughs) lot of videos i want to do i have a whole notebook full of them
0: well we look forward to it i I was wondering if, if it was something that uh you had retired or or not so now now we have our answer I want to thank James for being on the show and I want to direct all of you guys to the jimdrones.bandcamp.com uh, page and and check out that trilogy we talked about. It It is really, really good. Um, also keep an eye out for some of his new videos. Um, please don't forget to check out Obsidian Sound if you're looking to get your stuff mixed or mastered or your mixes reviewed. Uh, RecoveryEffects.com, AISynthesis.com, and NoiseEngineering.us. Until next week.